We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. I'm your host, John McCagney, joined as always by Mario Puig. We're into Week Ten of the NFL season, so we're we're past the halfway point. Um, coming off kind of a crazy week, where you know you saw some of the the league's best teams kind of fall flat on their faces against much inferior opponents. Uh, my survivors are all done, unfortunately. So. Uh, Nuts to you, Cowboys. But um, if I wasn't doing? in a, if I wasn't only in a two chance survivor, I would have been done in week one. So <laughs> that's right. You you uh, you bravely went where where no man has probably gone since, and went with the Jaguars in Survivor Week One. That was awesome. No one who has won since I guess that one week they who did they even beat? Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, oh, they, beat, they beat the dang Bills. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> the, the the one from like four days ago. Um, well, yeah, that was a funny game. Uh, I guess we'll have to dwell on that in a little bit here. Yes, definitely. But uh, what, as always, we'll, we'll run through every game on the slate, and uh, we'll kick things off Thursday night football down in Miami, where the Dolphins coming off their win over the Texans, going up against the Ravens, who had another close call. Uh, they seem to just always be in these close games. They're giving seven and a half on the road this week down in Miami, even with Miami's struggles, that just feels like not really a great spot for the Ravens to, to cover. But uh, let, let's hear your thoughts on this game. Uh, I don't know. The The Ravens defense has been bad to the point at, at times this year. Anyway, they've been bad to the point that you could almost imagine any offense moving the ball against them. So uh, maybe they are capable of playing so badly that Jacoby Brissett or Tua with a messed up finger, whatever it is, whatever's going wrong with him now. Uh, maybe they can still move the ball even with that being the case, but I'm pretty low on that uh, offense right now, the Dolphins offense, even with Tua. Uh, even with a healthy Tua, I'd be pretty low on it, and Brissett, I think, is memorably bad at this point. So uh, I actually like the Ravens' chances of covering, and John, can't we do a bit of like a, a homecoming narrative for Lamar? Isn't he from like a M- Miami nearby city? That's right. Uh, that's right. So that and uh, any any other narratives here? Uh, I guess not. Uh, well, anyway, that one's enough. And uh, also, I, I just kind of like their chances of you know lighting up the Dolphins generally. So when, when it comes to the Ravens' offense, 
What are your thoughts on the backfield right now? Is Freeman kind of the guy? I mean, I thought Le'Veon Bell looked good in the second half last week, but I thought a lot of that was more of a function of the Ravens just wearing the Vikings defense down. I mean, they ran like a up-tempo college level of plays uh, last week. I think they, they got up into the 80s, I want to say. So no defense is really going to look good uh, against an offense after being on the field that long. So I think that that, that kind of described or – fueled uh, why Le'Veon Bell looked good in, in the second half, but um, very impressed by Rashad Bateman. I, I think that he's immediately shown a chemistry with Lamar Jackson. Uh, Hollywood Brown seems to really continue to, to improve it. And Mark Andrews, I don't think he's going to be kept down a couple weeks in a row. And I think, you know, you look at the strength of this Dolphins defense is probably at corner. So maybe that, that funnels things a little bit more to Andrews tonight. Yeah, it very well could, and especially it's outside at corner. Uh, the slot, they're not so good. Uh, might be legitimately weak there even. So I definitely think Bateman and especially Brown, like Brown already lit up these corners his rookie year, I want to say, or at least Byron Jones was there, and he, he lit up the Dolphins uh, back when he had the bad foot still. So I don't know. I just I, f- I feel like th- the Dolphins might be able in some scenarios to get sort of um, – a decent return from the talent of those corners, but everything else is just so dysfunctional that I think, um, especially going against a quarterback like Lamar, it'll kind of just bring about a general dysfunction in the the defense to the point that uh, it won't even make, it won't need to be like Xavier Howard or Byron Jones playing poorly. They could just kind of end up in situations where there's only so much they can do. So uh, even though they're good, I, I think Bateman and and uh, Marquise Brown can still win outside. But you're right, it, it's probably easier to get it to Andrews, assuming. Uh, and this is not me complaining about Andrews exactly, but he does drop the ball sometimes. And if he doesn't do that, then, you know, he's got a pretty golden projection. Yeah, definitely like the the chances of this Ravens passing game uh, this evening uh, should be a relatively fun one. Uh, and yeah, that that Hollywood Brown debut in 2019, that was. Oh, that was week one, right? OK, yeah, that, that was like, all right, everybody. I remember yeah. at the time thinking, oh, I, I did not really expect that. <laughs> it was it was disorienting to watch. Uh, viewer, listener, Julia wants to know if if uh, Latavius Murray is back on track to come back this week. Doesn't look like it. I believe he's listed as doubtful, which might as well mean that he's out based on the the rate at which doubtful guys end up playing, especially on a on a short week. Even though he didn't play last week, so count on uh, Devonte Freeman and Le'Veon Bell carrying the load for Baltimore here on Thursday night. All right, let's get on over to Sunday, Mario. Bills, Jets. Uh, we, we know that the Jets are going to have the man, Mike White, looked good till he hurt his wrist last week, um, going up against a Bills team that you you know just has to be furious with itself after, you know, kind of uh, to, to borrow a John Rothsteinism, losing a bye game, the epitome of brutality against the Jags last week. Yeah, I don't. I have no thoughts really. I don't know what you can say about it. I mean, like they—they're the better team, but they blew it. And it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's at once one of those things where it's so bad you wonder what other kinds of bad they might be capable of, what other kinds of disappointment they might be capable of. But it's got to be a fluke sooner than that. I think. Like, I, it's possible that the Bills just kind of go on some downward slope where they can't stop what. Uh, the collapse ahead, but I would be surprised, or at least this week I would be surprised if it if it showed up. Uh, even if the Bills aren't particularly good with their uh, you know their their fundamentals or whatever, the talent should carry them in an environment like this. And 
I don't exactly want to bet against Mike White in this apparently high-flying Jets offense now, <laughs> but uh, I think it stops with the Bills' defense. Like, I, I don't really think they're the kind of scheme that lets overachievers get by them. I think it's to beat the Bills' defense, you need to have some real raw talent and especially like athleticism to to, to kind of like the Bills defense itself is an overachieving one. They get by with like, you know, smart players who fit the scheme well and everybody does their job really well. Um, and I, I think they can pretty easily weather this, you know, ragtag bunch as good as they've been lately. So a um, couple questions here. What did the Jaguars do on Sunday that, that maybe undid the Bills? And is there, is there anything from that that um, the Jets could – potentially capitalize i mean like the, you know the pass rush was obviously getting home for jacksonville uh do the do the jets have anything you know close to that, that that can you know kind of get josh allen off platform so maybe the bills being down two linemen was part of the result of, of last week's game i don't really think it did like like it, it might have mattered it must have mattered some way but i just don't think I don't think a letdown like that is explained by, you know, a couple missing starters in the offensive line, especially when it's whatever that guard name was. I don't, I don't remember who he is really. And then a rookie third round pick right tackle who played at Northern Illinois last year. Like that's, that's not enough to explain, you know, the gap in between like what happened and what we expected of them. So part of it's just, you know, they were probably looking ahead a week. They probably didn't take the game as seriously as they should have, but also uh, what the Jaguars did, it seems like they just kind of, you know, go with uh, a lot of zone coverages against Josh Allen and just try to keep him in the pocket. And he'll sort of, not that I'm blaming him for that game exactly, but he'll sort of end up in stressful situations if you if you just approach him that way. If you make him have a lot of zones that he has to interpret, especially after the snap, if he doesn't know before the snap what you're running against him, he's pretty bad at figuring out in the play, in time, uh, or at least it leaves them more dependent on kind of like the broken plays running around and stuff. So the, the main thing I think they got to do is if, if they are facing a lot of zone coverages and if Josh Allen for some reason isn't seeing through them, then they have to get Josh Allen moving around a bit more. Um, try to get like get those zones uh, shook a little by getting the defenders to stop and look at Josh Allen and think for a second, you know, is he running? Do I have to go tackle him? Uh, get them to to make decisions like that, so you can hopefully create an opening for a receiver for a split second, something like that. And in any case, uh, as much as he's kind of been getting owned this year, uh, I do expect Brian Dable to counter adjust at some point. Like he's on the wrong end of of the league adjusting to him and his new ideas, and he's mm-hmm. got to figure out a new way. I think he can at least as long as you know you got really good receivers there. You got Allen's running ability to shake things up a bit. Like they, they should have enough to work with. Okay, and then on on the other side, we we've kind of had some rookies slash just you know waiver wire fodder that that's see, seeming like that they're, they're guys that you can plug into your lineup here down this stretch. Um, speaking specifically about uh, Michael Carter and Elijah Moore, do you expect their their successes of of late to continue here? So that Jets backfield has been very weird, both. Um... Michael Carter and Ty Johnson have had pretty big numbers lately, and I don't know how sustainable it is. If it is sustainable, you would sooner say it's Carter than Johnson. And uh, I think, you know, a a game like last week might actually be near the worst case scenario for Carter now. Like he, since he showed he can get like whatever that ridiculous uh, 17 targets or whatever it was two weeks ago, um, it makes you think that a game like last week, a relatively slower one for Carter is, is kind of just like 
a bad game by his new standards. So this is a tough matchup, but in PPR, like I don't know why you can't really worry too much about a guy like Michael Carter at this point because he could get six or seven catches, even if it's a day where the Jets don't move the ball at all. And they might move right, the ball. Exactly. So yeah, that, that should goose up hit his floor just enough to, to keep him on your radar. Uh, listener Julia wants to know before we get into our next game, do you have a prediction as to where Odell Beckham Jr. is going to land? I really, uh, I really have no idea. I mean, is there a reliable report on this? Because I've seen, I've seen a few different things from a few different outlets, some of which I trust more than others. And um, it, it's hard to tell where any of the noise is coming from at this moment. But uh, if he really is choosing between a certain number of teams and those teams are what were they? People are saying it was the Packers and the Chiefs and the Saints. Yeah, and I, I thought the Seahawks were in there initially. Why, why would the Seahawks and out? Saints be in? I guess the Saints is like if they want to do like the homecoming uh, prodigal son thing. But if he wants to not be miserable, it seems like it's got to be Green Bay or Kansas City to me. I don't know. Right, because, uh, you know, Kansas City, we've talked about it, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it again. They need that third option in the passing game right now because it, it's just not working with, with where they've been going of late. And then uh, with the Packers, you know, I, I like MVS or Alan Lazard as your wide receiver three. I don't like him as your wide receiver too. So, you know, can, can Beckham fill, fill in that number two role behind Adams? Is he okay with, with getting, you know, such a small share at the same time, I'm sure he'll be happy to be anywhere after this, this Cleveland debacle. So my, my guess is green Bay. And like you said, um, all sorts of noise out there. I, I saw something floated indicating that the Packers gave like we're offering like a vet minimum uh, to Beckham, which of course, you know, even though things haven't gone great for Beckham, like you're, you're playing for more than that. So, well, the Packers only have like that. 4 million in cap space. So Beckham would have to basically be like, yeah, I'm kind of, you guys are just lucky that I'm available and kind of bored right now. Um, and I'm, I'm going to pay for less or play for less. Um, I think the the veteran minimum for a guy like him might be surprisingly high. I'm just guessing it, it might be like 1.1 million or something like that. Um, but in any case, they can only go up to like $4 million. So if he can't fix up that, then uh, I guess it can't be there. Okay. All right. That that makes sense. Good Good to um, good to get that perspective on that. And, and uh, yes, Julia, Mike, Mike White's been practicing, so he'll uh, he's in line to, to start. And I think Zach Wilson uh, remains out with that PCL. Um, let's get on over to Bucks versus football team. I think this is one of the more interesting games to bet this week because you, you have the completely stoppable force versus the completely movable object in the sense that uh, the Buccaneers have not covered a spread on the road this year and the football team have not covered at home. And they're both coming off a bye and nine's a pretty large number, you know? So I, I feel like even, even though the football team has way underperformed uh, our expectations coming into this season, I still think I would back them plus nine at, at, at home, even against the Bucks. Yeah. So hmm, it looks like Curtis Samuels just never going to play again. So after Terry McLaurin, they're down to what uh, Deami Brown and uh, Cam Sims again. That's not good. That's not, that's probably not enough to threaten these corners, even these kind of like backup caliber corners that the, the Buccaneers are going with. So Taylor Heineke is the kind of quarterback that I don't really want to count out for that backdoor cover, especially just because he is 
his motor is never going to stop. So if he's on the field and it's a garbage time situation, you worry about him maybe still not moving the ball as a passer. But if you're in a prevent defense and, you know, the Buccaneers are up, uh, whatever, 16 or something, and they, they, they know that they, they're going to win. Uh, it's easier to imagine, a, I think anyway, a guy like Heineke getting them the backdoor cover. Cause he can, you know, rip off like a 30 yard run, something like that. He's always looking for the big play and he can get it sometimes. I just don't think he has enough help and, love Terry McLaurin. I think he sets up great here, but pretty much every week you can't really find anywhere in that offense where someone other than Terry McLaurin will do anything. It's like the best case scenario is, uh, you know, JD McKissick gets behind the defense for a big play. And I I think they already used up, uh, you know, that, that bag of tricks so far this year. So I I just see a slog. And I I guess I also assuming Godwin plays and uh, especially if Antonio Brown can get on the field, although that, I don't know how likely that's looking, uh, I, I also would take the Buccaneers to cover. Okay. All right. That that makes sense. Uh, you laid out a good case there. I mean, the, at the end of the day, it the question is really like, are the Bucs going to play their A game? If they do, they're, they're absolutely covering. Against I think the their B minus game might get the cover, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. All right. There, there it is. Um, one more question for you on, on the Washington side of things. What do you do if you have Antonio Gibson right now? Uh. I guess just like despair mostly. Like you can't really do That's anything. Uh, you can't cut him. You got to start him, I guess, most of the time. But if you want to take a week to to get aggressively, um, you know, or if you want to be liberal with with the prospects of benching Antonio Gibson, this would be the week to go that direction, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, we have him ranked as RB twenty four, so right on that fringe in leagues where you're starting two running backs. If you have um, to start him, it's like not worth worrying about. But if you got a better option, it, this is this is a bad matchup. It's as bad as it looks. Yeah, it's yeah, it's re- Bucks for for their woes in the in the back end. Still pretty good um, against the run. Dovetailing off that quick before we move to our next game, uh, Julia does want to know who is the most disappointing team in football this season. Um. Well, there's a lot of sad teams. I guess the most disappointing would be uh, the one that we had actual hopes for. And most people would say the Jaguars had no real hope. So I guess them, they, they don't really count. But uh, even though they're maybe the worst one, I th- I'd say the Dolphins, I guess. Uh, or personally, I, th- I had some hope that their defense would be good at least and that the, the offense had enough route runners to sort of carry to a, even if he wasn't so great. Um, but they're useless. They suck. Uh, the the Panthers too are pretty disappointing because they're they're definitely wasting a lot of talented players and maybe Darnold isn't one of those players but they've they've managed to take some good players make them bad and uh, yeah they're they're a pretty egregious case of wasted talent this year I think right and I think you know it it gets compounded by the fact that they started so hot you know even even though in hindsight they they were doing it against bad teams. Still like, dang, like the Panthers look like they, they got it figured out and then they've just completely nosedived since well, we'll get to them a little bit. I more guess later with, with really quickly, news. I guess yeah. the most disappointing might be the Chiefs. I just didn't. Yeah, think of that's them the, I still think they can kind of fix it. So I didn't count them out exactly. Got it. Yeah. But yeah, that that's the layup. And I, I think you could also make an argument for the 49ers just because it's been a mess the whole yeah. time. Um, it's been frustrating the you know, stringing along both Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Trey Lance, Trey Lance getting banged up, the, the whole Brandon Ayuk saga, which I think we're coming out on the other side of finally George Kittle getting hurt. It's just been a, a mess in San Francisco. And, you know, like a Super Bowl hangover can be forgiven, but a, a second year on, 
with the roster still being pretty good, one to fifty-three, I'm I'm surprised at, at how the Niners have done, even in you know what is probably the, the toughest division um, in football. Uh, before we get on over to our next game, a, a quick message from our sponsors over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And on to the next one, Mario. All right, let's hit up Falcons, Cowboys. We got the Cowboys eight-point favorites in this one, over under a 54 and a half. Atlanta was on their way to just another Atlanta-esque loss a week ago, but they, they pulled uh, victory from the jaws of defeat somehow uh, against the against you know the, this version of the Saints um, and the Cowboys uh, again uh, blew my survivor pool. So uh, they're they're in my doghouse right now. But what's going on with the Cowboys? How did that happen last week where they just get smacked around by by uh, Denver? Uh, I. I mean, there were a few plays that you could look at where it was like, you know, this this is one of the shots that if they had made it, the course of the game maybe goes a little differently. And they were shots that usually they do make, but for some reason wouldn't in that game. In cases like that, I tend to just call it a fluke and uh, more like kind of, I guess, the Packers against the Saints in week one when when a team is so uh, disappointing and underperforming in a game to the point that you basically don't recognize them anymore. That's that's maybe a case where I think you can um, take the optimistic line that like, oh, this is just, you know, bad luck, fluke, whatever. And they'll they'll basically get it on track going forward. And I, I definitely expect that for the Cowboys. I don't know if I expect it to the point of uh, nine or ten points uh, against a, a Falcons team that has some 
things going on offense. I know it's generally been a, a brutal year for them too, but uh, it's it's got pits at least, and and Matt Ryan's got a little bit of something going lately. So I I don't know if I trust the Dallas defense to to smother it to that degree. And for what it's worth, it, it looks like they're struggling quite a bit against tight ends this year. So uh, Kyle Pitts is his own position, basically. Maybe it's not one-to-one, but it, it seems like it's a good enough matchup for him that I would definitely worry about the backdoor cover with Atlanta. Yeah, that that is a lot of points to to trust with Dallas, you know, especially coming out of last week. Um, this is a tough call, and the, the Falcons uh, remain the, the team that I, I know how to bet the least. Not that I'm great with any one team, but the Falcons always find a way to just uh, – I find my, myself on the losing end of any Falcons bet uh, that I make. Um, but, yeah, interesting to see what, what goes on there. And do you, do you think – or what do you think of this Cowboys backfield? I, I know that Zeke didn't look great last week, had, had a wrap on his knee at, at one point, I think, during the game. So do you think that they get back going this week? So an injury would change everything. I don't, I don't know what the, the 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 knee issue that he's dealing with, I don't know to what extent it it might affect him. But if it doesn't affect him, if it doesn't limit him, I'm probably just always going to have that opinion that, oh, yeah, Zeke will bounce back, you know, until he gets to that point where he demonstrates definitive decline, which I think he absolutely has not this year. I don't I don't think he shows much decline at all, really. Um, it takes an injury to change the calculus. And I, I guess that uh, this this could be enough for that. But if he's healthy, I, I think he reverts to type and probably uh, runs over this Falcons defense sooner than he would have a second disappointing game. And uh, one last thing on this game, and that this is a callback to a game that, for for whatever reason, we we have memory hold this one. But Tyron Smith w- was missing for a Cowboys Adrian Claiborne game nine in the Adrian Claiborne game, and Tyron Smith did not practice on Thursday. Where's Adrian Claiborne, Mario? Uh, hopefully not suiting up. Hopefully, hopefully he's not on the practice squad of the Falcons right now or something. Uh, but it. it I can't remember who that left tackle was back then. It was some poor guy who had no shot. Did, did they flip Lale? Oh, it was like Chaz. It was like Chaz Green or somebody like that. Oh, some boy. guy's been like out of the league and certainly off their roster for a while. But this time, what was it? Uh, was Lyle Collins on the left side? Because uh, like I can't remember where they moved Steele to the left and kept Lyle on the right. But in any case. Steele and Lyle Collins are much better alternatives than Chaz Green or whoever it was. So, uh, also, I, I don't think the Falcons have an Adrian Claiborne, as it were. So, uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty safe for Dak. And uh, maybe having Tyron would be nice. Don't get me wrong; he's a monster. But I, I think because they have something other than bad, they should be okay. Okay, yeah, we're we're not going to have the the Smith to to Chaz uh, drop this week, even if Tyron Smith does not play. Let's get on over. We got Saints going to Tennessee to face the Titans. Titans making everyone beg the question, like, who is good in the NFL after after going into Los Angeles and pushing them around, I thought, for for the most part of Sunday night's game, even without Derrick Henry. Um, what were your big takeaways from that game as far as the, the Tennessee offensive approach? Because my sort of – inclination is to not take away too much because I think the Titans defense put the offense in in such good position for a lot of that game that it's not completely applicable to just a neutral script situation for the Titans yeah the Titans defense definitely is what won that game and if it hadn't been for the defense winning the game 
early, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they, they, they tied it up surprisingly early in hindsight. Uh, it felt like the Rams always could get back in it, but they never really did. And if the Titans needed Tannehill to step up, I don't think he could have done it. So uh, it was lucky for them uh, not to deny them the credit and especially not the defense. I mean, they, they made great calls. And uh, I do think, I think Vrabel is just the kind of guy who's, he's liable to have like a momentary poor judgment, certainly. Uh, and I think even more so and, and more certainly said he's bad at evaluating players like the, the way to whatever extent he has input on their, their personnel uh, and the way they, they sign and draft players is uh, like, he's, he's done a bad job at that. Um, but he is a gamer and he, he gets his guys to play hard for him. And in games like that one, he shows that he can come up with these just, you know, clever things these these anecdotes of, of just like clever uh tricks where you can't make a model out of it you can't like project it to scale and you can't say like this is something that happened because of their system or some other like enduring predictive detail it's just he's wily at times and he, he comes up with with good ideas so he can do that in any given game but he also the man is ready to lose it all yeah, it's like he's 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 kind of crazy and he could come up with, you know, a brilliant idea or he could come up with that ridiculous uh, uh, Music City Miracle thing that he tried to do the other day. Oh, against uh, the Bills, too. Yeah. So that's just the nature that the, the two edges of the sword, I guess, with with Vrabel. And um, that makes him dangerous in any matchup, as we've seen. It's like you, you don't really want to go against the Titans as a heavy favorite. It's like that's 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 one of those times where, where Vrabel seems to do his most memorable things but obviously they've had a lot of low points in the past couple of years and um, that may or may not pop up uh, I tend to think if AJ Brown and Julio Jones are both healthy that Tannehill should be more or less productive but I don't think they can get I don't think they can get into shootouts with teams and I don't think the defense will always be as good it won't always catch people by surprise the way it's it has lately and the surprise element once it's gone I, I worry about them kind of at least going back to average and, and maybe even worse. But I, I don't know. We Trevor Simeon. I, I guess I'm not a credible, you know, source on Trevor Simeon. I think he's a joke. I, I've always thought he was a joke. Uh, I know he got he was victimized by some drops last week. But if I have to believe that, you know, Simeon, or if I'm being asked, like, will will Simeon, um, you know, outplay anybody in particular? No. And Tannehill, even though I'm lower on him than most people, I would never expect him to lose to Simeon. No, I don't either. Um, th- this game, you know, I would feel comfortable with with the Titans. May- maybe, or, you know, I'm not the credible guy on on Survivor, but uh, I I'm surprised that the line is just two and a half in in favor of the Titans. I think the Titans. Can... I think it's just the Sean Payton and uh, Dennis Allen acknowledgement. Like Dennis Allen, funny enough, got I think beat up by Arthur Smith last week, but Arthur Smith might be good and uh, Dennis Allen is definitely good. So I don't, I don't expect him to stay down too long. I think it'll be a tough game. Okay. All right. That, that makes sense. I, I can certainly see that the, the saints, even for their just sheer lack of talent and Camara cropping up on the injury report last week, that they, they are still just a, a tough team uh, to go against. Uh, before we get to our next game, Mario, we got a couple of listener questions. Uh, let's see. Mooter King wants to know, uh, with Carolina signing Cam, does that boost Christian McCaffrey or hurt him? Uh, didn't they already play together? Uh, didn't, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm asking. I can't even remember. Sometimes I worry that I make false memories. Um, well, but anyway. McCaffrey's huge year was the year that Cam hurt his shoulder, I believe. Okay. So there was so, yeah. a lot of Kyle Allen. 
in any case, I think it'll be fine. Um, I, I think Cam can definitely get the ball to, to McCaffrey. And in any case, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think the offense will stay bad. Sooner I would say it won't change anything, but I definitely don't think it'll hurt him worse than he's already been limited. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, can't, can't get much worse. And I, I think, you know, if you have Cam out there not turning the ball over, uh, that, that's certainly a win for, for pretty much everyone in this Carolina offense. And, yeah, I think I can't believe how, how quickly Darnold just kind of disintegrated, but we don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, Herman wants to know, would you drop Alex Collins to pick up either Mark Ingram or, De- or Devontae Williams in a 12-team standard? Uh, sorry, is that like Daryl Williams? Or? I think D- Daryl or Damian. Hmm. I would imagine. Um, it's I don't. It, yeah. So the question is, like, how long is Chris Carson going to be out? And as far as I know, we have uh, nothing in either way. Like, it c- could be back in, like, one or two weeks. He might not be back this year. I think Collins is pretty clearly the top Seattle running back, and he's my favorite of those three if he's starting. But obviously, if, he, if Carson comes back and Collins goes to the bench, then, yeah, you probably want – uh, one of the other two, or at least maybe Ingram, but I would probably stick with Collins in the meantime because I don't know what I expect for those other two situations exactly. Yeah, I would stick with with Collins as well right now. Um, keep an eye on the injury reports though, because if if Carson's back and Ingram is out, then that obviously makes Ingram uh, the or Ingram's out. There, yeah, then uh, then Ingram would be uh, the guy to scoop in that particular situation. Uh, let's go. Jags, Colts, Colts, 10 point favorites in this one against, you know, the, the, the Jags that are two and two since the, since the urban Meyer uh, viral video and uh, playing well, but they're, they're going, <laughs> going on, on, uh, on the road, divisional opponent here, Mario, and they're, they're getting 10 points. Where are you with this one? Um, Jags still suck. I do <laughs> think that the Colts could make it closer than it needs to be especially if Frank Reich's doing the thing where he he tries to make sure everybody gets to play or whatever. Um, but to be fair to Frank Reich, if there is a time to pull that stunt, it's against a team like the Jaguars. It's That's that's like when, um, you know, I remember Dan uh, Mullen made people really mad at Mississippi State one time because he would like rotate his backup quarterbacks in the opening drives of games against bad teams. And he was like, I, I want to get them reps, you know, live reps. And it's like, get your live reps here. This is this is your Mississippi State versus uh, Wofford or whatever. If you want to play uh, Kylan Granson, I like Kylan Granson, but he, you know, he's, he's a rookie. Uh, if you want to give him 30 snaps for some reason, if you want to get Marlon Mack back on the field, now is the time to do it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the Jags definitely allow for some experience. Jags can play. They could get shut out here. And, you know, as as much as this is eating my own words, Carson Wentz has played really well the last few weeks. Uh, I think he's I think he's had little um that little responsibility and a lot of help and a lot of anecdotal things falling in his favor. Like I, I think that rain game, kind of like the way that it bailed out Josh Allen against the Chiefs, the rain game bailed him out against the 49ers because it turned into more of like a jump pass competition. And yeah. uh, he could he can make those kind of just you know easy dunks I think and to be fair the one thing I will say in fairness is he is avoiding turnovers which is helpful uh, it would it would be a lot worse and a lot different if you were turning the ball over in addition to what he's doing um, so yeah if you don't turn the ball over and you make your jump pass shots when you need to and Jonathan Taylor and uh, even Naheem Hines last week do the rest it could be a winning formula if the defense shows up certainly you would expect it to show up here. 
Yeah, could, could absolutely see that as well. Um, before we get on to our next game, a couple words from our sponsors. Leading us off here, our buddies over at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions. And even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sports book app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states. That's Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. I think I just saw that they might be opening in New York as well, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. We also got a message from our friends over at Yahoo. The NFL season is heating up, and Yahoo is going big on daily fantasy football this season. There will be tons of big prize contests throughout the year on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest now being shark-free. Celebrate Yahoo going big on DFS as well as Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark free. Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim free $10 in site credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 site credit to join any paid contest, including Yahoo's biggest contest, the weekly $1 million DFS NFL Baller Contest. The weekly $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes, including First place receiving $100,000 and tons of overlay in prizes. Play Daily Fantasy Football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 offer and get started. Again, that's sports.yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy slash welcome. All right, next up, Lions, Stillers. Stillers coming off the, the win Monday night, the Lions... Coming mercifully off the bye, um, we, but we got the Steelers giving eight points at home in this contest here over under sitting at 42 and a half. So that this one, uh, I, I have to imagine Red Zone is not going to focus on this one too much. Uh, maybe, maybe Ben Roethlisberger will pop up a lot because Goff turns it over so many times that the Steelers are kind of just always in field goal range. Uh, that might be the way. I guess it's probably the only way. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the Lions can do here. I'm, I'm a fan of both DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. And I, I guess in PPR, especially Hawkinson in PPR, I think you feel good about him because if, if the Lions throw 30 passes, there's a good bet that uh, Hawkinson sees you know at least eight up to 12 of those. And uh, with that level of usage, you can only fail you know, so badly. But Goff, I, I do worry about being a total zero in this game. Everything about this setup seems like a nightmare for a, a player like Goff, I think. It's like the Steelers are, you know, they're mean and, and they they play tough at home. Not as much this year. They, they were easy on fields, I guess. But Goff can't be threaten fields. Or sorry, right. Goff can't threaten a defense the way fields can. And uh, I, I think if the Steelers haven't been blitzing that much this year, but in this game they might. And being in Pittsburgh, being as bad as Jared Goff is – 
I could imagine him getting pretty dispirited in this game. Like he's he's not exactly a toughness guy, you know, and it's it's mm-hmm. it's just easy to get rattled in a place like this. Yeah, he's a California seven on seven guy. Um, pretty much, so, yeah. So yeah, I guess yeah. My my general take on this one is I hate trusting Pittsburgh with more than a touchdown, just kind of across the board. But the Lions make me uh, make an exception here. Basically, yeah. The Steelers I think, I think had the Steelers that. Uh, can just mush them. Well, it was that blocked punt touchdown against the the Bears? Like the Steelers had that happen to them last week. I think they're due for the defensive touchdown in this one. There, there we have it. And I think, how much Najee Harris are you going to go for in DFS? Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, definitely got to think about it because it's a good matchup for him. Uh, I will say, I, th- I think in PPR, his value is, is quite a bit higher than in other cases. He's been surprisingly muted as a runner, uh, busy as a pass catcher the way you would expect. But I, th- I was thinking he'd be, you know, 20 carries and five catches a lot of weeks. And he's more so kind of turning into like a th- 14 15 carry five or six catch kind of guy and that might fluctuate a little bit and maybe he goes more like 25 carries in a game like this uh i just don't think that he'll need to do a whole lot and uh i would think the steelers the way that they're so dependent on him they, they would try to get him a breather if the, if the lions look kind of uh, hopeless on the other end but it, it is a good matchup and and um if they do keep him involved he through four quarters he could get quite a lot of work yeah the, you know the, we see that lack of depth for the Steelers uh, in that backfield. I mean, Kalen Balaj getting snaps. Uh, no one, no, or every, everyone can check the archives to see our, our opinions on uh, Mr. Balaj. But I would think that this is a great setup for Najee to get his second hundred yard game of the season. Yeah, he's he's barely on pace for a thousand yards rushing as it is, and I'm, I'm pretty surprised by that. I thought he would have. Um, I thought he'd have at least like ten more carries, but. Uh, Anyway, he's he's he sets up great. Definitely one of the the better running back options this week. Yeah, just it's all thanks uh, to Detroit because again, not, Najee Harris been good, and I think he's in a tough situation. But yeah, he's like, still not getting day, much help. Three three point six yards per carry, uh, certainly not ideal, but he's doing enough elsewhere to certainly make him a, a strong play this week. Let's go Browns Patriots. Browns kind of got off the mat last week and, and beat the the Bengals. Uh, the Patriots, you know, continue to win games. It's it's not always the prettiest. I don't know if it's ever going to be the prettiest uh, under rookie year Mac Jones, but uh, you know, this is a tough Patriots team. So I'm I'm interested in this clash. Uh, how do you see this one shaking out? So I, I have I have complicated thoughts, I guess, on these on both of these teams really, and I know I've been critical of. Mac Jones is um, I don't mean to sound critical of him. I meant to sound critical of the coverage of him. That was so eager to say like, Oh, look at what a great passer he already is. Look at how, look at how valuable his EPA or whatever is. It's like, he's not threatening defenses. He's taking checkdowns, which is fine. And it's better than turning the ball over, but it's not the same as threatening a defense. With that said, I still think I might prefer Mac Jones even right now over Baker Mayfield. I know Baker Mayfield had a good game last week and, he can make that long-range shot, especially off the play action, especially if you don't need him to throw more than 28 times in a game. But I think the, the number of times that he can go over that 30 pass attempts and, and keep you competitive is pretty infrequent. And uh, maybe Mac Jones isn't any better, but I don't think he's demonstrated as much reason for doubt as, as Baker Mayfield. So if the Browns need to throw more than 30 pass attempts, 
uh, or the, the the more that the Browns get to 30 pass attempts, I think the the more perilous the game is going for them. I think they want to they should try to keep Baker Mayfield, you know, 28 pass attempts or less, uh, as many of them as possible from play action. And uh, the, the more they're taken away from that setup, the the more dangerous it gets. So what what's your latest read on on what the you know the the best way for the Browns to obviously keep Baker from uh, undoing this game for them is, is to get the run game rolling. So what what's the latest with, with Nick Chubb um, and Demetric Felton as as we head into the weekend? Obviously, they had positive uh, tests. Sorry, this, this I know this is a this is ridiculous, but I don't even really know the COVID protocols at this point. Not not down to the letter anyway. Um, so I believe I, Chubb because he's vaccinated, he will need to show two negative two, tests. Okay, so two tests, and is, is it like he needs to log them two days before Sunday, kind of thing? I think so. So today okay. could be key, I think, for that. Or today is in Thursday. Yeah, I guess whenever we get to uh, the point in time that we can actually determine wh- whatever his scenario actually is, uh, it would warrant major adjustment to the projection of this game, depending on whether he's available. Because if Chubb can't play, I think the Browns, not like they get buried in an avalanche, but I think they slowly get buried over the course of the game. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that. I like the, the two imageries uh, there, but as it stands, um, I, I got to go, even if the the backfield's at full strength, I, I like the, the Patriots at, at home in this one. Same. Um, let's see. Uh, we got a couple questions here. The chosen Rose wants to know start two of Emmanuel Sanders, Christian Kirk, Hunter Renfro, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Russell Gage, and AJ Green. Uh, let me see. Sorry. Give me a second here. Um, it's it's tough for me to leave a guy like Judy Uh, Mm -hmm. in general. It's tough for me to leave a guy like Judy on the bench. So I think I'm, I'm starting with him in there. Uh, the remainder between, uh, I think, I I think I would plan on going with Sanders and, and Judy, but if not Sanders and Judy, then, uh, Renfro instead of Sanders and, uh, Renfro gets more viable, uh, in PPR and, and uh, Sanders maybe gains a little in standard. I like that as well. So surprised. No Christian Kirk mentioned in that. I love Kirk. I just don't know what to make of the Kyler thing. And I'm not pushing my luck with Colt McCoy two weeks in a row, you know? No, sir. So I, th- I think that's good to, uh, to get that established out there. And then truly, truly Seb wants to know Mike Williams or Deontay Johnson this week. Um, uh, first of all, good problem to have, Second, I would go Deontay Johnson, um, especially if Claypool's out. I, I would definitely go with him. And yeah, even, if he, even if Claypool's in, I would go with Deontay. Yeah, I, th- I think so. But but this sets up much better for Deontay if uh, Claypool is ultimately yeah. sidelined. So I like that call there, Mario. All right, let's get on over Vikings Chargers. Uh, Chargers got back on the on the right side of the of the win column a week ago. They are giving three to the Vikings, who are addicted to playing close games and losing them. Your thoughts? Yeah. Um, first of all, I wouldn't take for given that Dalvin Cook plays in this game or any other. So if you have him and he's playing, you got to start him, I would say. Uh, but if you are planning on not checking your lineup again until s- Sunday uh, you know, afternoon, I would, I would change it, try to take one last glance Sunday morning perhaps. Uh, but beside that, um, I, I, I don't know what, to, to, to speculate on a situation from the outside, like, th- like the Vikings, uh, I, like it's, you can imagine things being pretty tense and, and difficult there. Like it seemed Mike Zimmer and Kirk cousins weren't on the same page. Don't particularly like each other. 
seemed like Zimmer was kind of short fused going into this year, a bit more short fused than usual, even. And it's like they lost Daniel Hunter. They're dealing with, you know, crap secondary. Harrison Smith's got this drama. Dalvin Cook drama now. I I wouldn't be surprised if the wheels fall off of that. So um, not that I'm specifically predicting it, but between that and the the my preference to kind of just defer to the Chargers generally, I definitely pick the Chargers here. Yeah, I like the Chargers as well. Um, you know what? What are you doing with you know a guy like like Eckler coming off a, a week where he didn't quite go to expectations? Uh, going up against the, this Vikings defense, uh, your thoughts there? Yeah, I don't know enough about schemes to to determine whether like the Eagles were maybe trying to sell out against Eckler in addition to, I guess, Mike Williams. And maybe that has something to do with it because personnel matchup wise, that should have been a really maybe even borderline perfect kind of matchup, uh, let alone good for Austin Eckler. So this is a tougher looking matchup, namely... Eric Kendricks is the kind of guy who can single-handedly change the trajectory of a game for a running back. But, you know, it's because I'm worried about the, the Vikings kind of falling apart. And last year when the defense was especially bad, Kendricks wasn't able to shut down running backs the way he used to. It's Kendricks can't do everything himself, and he might be doing everything himself again here. So I, I like the chances of an Austin Eckler bounce back. And part of that, too, is just Eckler, to me, is an elite running back or close to it. So... You can always bet on those guys bouncing back sooner than, you know, more marginal talents. Yeah. Eckler did kind of ruin my DFS Sunday. I was, yeah, me too. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, to, to your point on Kendricks, I messaged you during, during the Ravens Vikings game. And, and it was really the first time I had watched like specifically the Vikings that this year, you know, like focused on their game and yeah, Kendricks, that guy's just an eraser. He's unbelievable. Yeah, he was for like three or four years there. He should have been first team all pro. He might have been. I can't remember how that stuff goes, but uh, never got enough credit for it. Nope, certainly not. So, but yeah, he's he's one of those kind of like secret star type of guys. Um, got a couple more questions here before we roll into the last batch of games. Julia wants to know better quarterback the rest of the season, Baker or Cam? I would say Baker, and obviously I'm a, I'm a Cam sympathizer and, and maybe even a bit of a Baker hater, but uh, at least Baker plays for a real NFL team. I don't really have any uh, – like I have some hopes, some desperate hopes for the Panthers offense, but I'm not expecting anything good. No, I'm mostly expecting just tr- just tragedy with that team. Yeah, we're, we're so far into the season. I, I don't see him outperforming Baker rest of season. Sean wants to know, should I trade Debo? For Diggs and Devontae Smith. Yeah. Uh, I mean, lo- love Debo, but uh, sorry, am I missing something with those other two? They're not like hurt or anything. No. So, yeah, I, do you take one Diggs good receiver? Just kind of and- underperformed ADP. Um, I would I would definitely make that trade. And you've already you've probably already gotten the best out of Debo, uh, especially, you know, with, with Kittle being back and with Ayuk maybe being out of the doghouse, like those yeah. weeks where it was all Debo all the time. I don't know if that's going to be the case necessarily rest of the way. Yep, definitely. Um, I would take right, Diggs so, for Debo straight up. So if you're throwing Devante in, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Dev- Devante looks like he's coming on strong here uh, as we hit the stretch run of his rookie season. Now we've got a message from our friends over at Thrive. Thrive is back for another season of fantasy football, and they're running huge guaranteed contests each week this NFL season. 
With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim your free RotoWire subscription. One, visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Three, play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month RotoWire subscription. So again, go to rotowire.com slash thrive. All right, Panthers, Cardinals. We've we've kind of been alluding to the to our thoughts on on the Panthers throughout the show, so don't don't need to unpack a ton here. But if Kyler is limited, if he's out, does that change much for you? I, I think it would change the spread, and the spread will will obviously re- end up reflecting that because right now the Cardinals are, are north of ten point favorites. I think Phil Snow will have a better defensive plan than the 49ers did last week. So I don't expect it to look quite so easy for Colt McCoy if they got to make the Colt McCoy offense happen again. Um, then again, even if even if Murray plays, I don't know if it's fair to expect him to be 100%. They might put him out there at 85, something like that. Uh, we still don't know what's going on with even uh, like Hopkins, let alone Rondale Moore. So I'm a little concerned uh, for the Cardinals, I, I think. I would definitely pick them to win, but I don't really like 10 and a half points. I, th- I think the, the Cardinals defense might need to carry them in this game. And uh, I think they can do that, but I, I don't think 10 points is uh, all that reasonable, really. And then, you know, kind of one of the, the fancy storylines of this week with Chase Edmonds being out, it seemingly gives James Conner that monopoly. And, and Conner, someone I completely faded it in, um, in season long this year, but you got to respect the touchdown production that he has, it, that he's put up. Um, I don't know if the, the Cardinals necessarily have a great option behind him in Edmonds's absence. So, I mean, how high is too high to rank a guy like James Conner the uh, rest of the season or for these next few weeks? Is he like a fringe RB1 now? Yeah, I think so. And I think Conner's been good all year. I don't know why he was getting bashed. I guess it's, it's just as simple as a lot of people took Chase Edmonds ahead of him. And Chase Edmonds is also like a small, quick guy. So, of course, he's going to look more elusive and just like cooler to watch than a a big uh, power back because Edmonds needs to look that quick and fast to be as effective as a smaller, less powerful player. Um, I think Connor has been really good all year. The only thing I'm worried about is his durability and knock on wood. He's been having some good luck after it looked pretty bleak in the training camp there. I was uh, back at training camp. I was like, oh, yeah, forget it. He's just it's going to just be on uh, whatever IR all year or something, but he's been playing and he's, he's been basically, I think the same guy that was so good with the Steelers in 2018. So I like him. I don't know what to make of Eno Benjamin. It seemed like Jonathan Ward might've been ahead of him, but Ward has that nasty concussion. So uh, Benjamin could be interesting. Like 20, 25 snaps might be enough to be, uh, you know, on the flex radar or something. Okay. All right. That, that definitely checks out. So keep an eye on that cards backfield situation. Um, let's get on over. Don't have to spend a ton of time here, but Eagles, Broncos, uh, big fantasy storylines for you in this one. Uh, good setup for the Denver running game again. Uh, I have no idea what to make of the Eagles offense exactly. I mean, I like Devonte Smith, like some of the other pieces they got there, but I just don't trust the vision. And I, I know I've been uh, heralding doom for for Jalen Hurts this whole time, and uh, it hasn't really happened, especially not in the fantasy sense. 
but I, I still think there are more depths that we can plunge here. I, I, maybe, maybe, not, maybe Fangio is the kind of guy to bring it out. I can't really get a good grip on his defense. I can't figure out why it's uh, been the way it's been this year. But I, I feel like this is a dangerous situation for the, for the Eagles' offense uh, if they're not careful. And I, um, I don't really think Denver falls apart unless for some reason they can't run. But it seems like they should be able to run. Yeah, yeah, they, they have a nice little backfield stable. Melvin Gordon having a strong year and Javante Williams coming on strong as well. So definitely like their setup going against the Eagles, especially at home. Seahawks, Packers expected to be the return of Russ after uh, you know missing some time with that finger injury. Going up against the Packers should have Aaron Rodgers back, and you know it's all reflected in the line with the Packers three point favorites. Let's say you here. Um, are we so sure that Rogers will play here? Cause, um, I don't know. 10 days can kind of be like at the conventional, uh, whatever the medicine stuff, the, the medical stuff is, uh, not our field, I guess. But uh, in any case, if they don't have Rogers, you definitely worry about that spread. If they do have Rogers, I would sooner put it at like five and a half, six, something like that rather than three. So, um, with that said, I do think even Love can cover at three because um, I just think the Seattle defense isn't very good, and I don't think they have enough to to stop uh, what all the Packers have. It would be amazing if they could somehow get Beckham in the fold. I guess that's unlikely, um, especially for this week, even if they do sign him. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Lambo factor, I don't, and also when you got a case like Russell Wilson's where he's beating the original prognosis by a few weeks, he is, isn't he? Like, isn't he back a I little? So, yeah, some sort of miraculous finger recovery. Um, that's, that seems a little aggressive. Maybe like, I'm not worried about his toughness. Not, not at all, but I, I do worry about him getting out there and just realizing, Oh, my hand isn't quite what I was hoping it would be. And I don't know what to do about it. Well, uh, narrative time, Russell Wilson played at Wisconsin, but he's from like the East coast and he, yeah, he's he from went, Richmond. To, went to North Carolina state originally, but, uh, yeah, he, he does have that Wisconsin angle. That's that's definitely they remember him here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they really uh, haven't had a quarterback since uh, for for the Badgers, unfortunately. Um, all right, let's scoot on. Chiefs Raiders. I'm I'm on the Raiders to win this one straight up, and yet the the Chiefs you know, they still get the respect from Vegas. All of it is obviously trusting that they figure it out. Uh, and if they figure it out, then obviously the Chiefs cover cover the two and a half. But the longer we go into the season, we have a greater sample of them not having it even close to figured out. So I, I'm on the Raiders here. Yeah, I'm worried about the Chiefs offense until they're in a setting where we say they can definitely run in this game. And maybe they can. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe this is one of those games, but it, it doesn't seem obvious to me. And short of that guarantee, I I guess I just don't know what will make the defense pay for sitting so deep uh, with so many defensive backs and, and not even really um, deigning to, to cover the underneath intermediate part. I, I know that Mahomes needs to get the big play going. It's not as simple as just checking down forever. That's not a sustainable offense either, but they at least got to get the defenses to play them a little differently. And until something changes, I think we've got enough of a sample here to say like, it's not just going to fix itself on the basis of Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill being who they are. It's like they need to actually adjust. And I do think Reed will get there, but like how soon? And is it easy? Can he do it in season? 
Um, can he do it with this personnel at all? Like, is, is has he hit a just a block in his his uh, you know ability to reason uh, through this? I don't really know. And, and in the meantime, I feel like the Raiders have enough things that do work that you don't need to make so many leaps to imagine how they might move the ball and, and get a few points in this game. So I, I kind of agree. I, th- I would go with the Raiders. I don't really want to pick against the Chiefs because I they will figure it out eventually. Um, but I think it might take something like Edward Tolaire coming back from injury before they can really put it all together. Right. And, and we don't know exactly yet uh, when he'll be back. And, and yeah, th- this offense just fluttering too much uh, for, for my taste. Uh, so uh, division game on the road here. It's going to be rocking in Vegas. Uh, so I, I like the Raiders plus 120 on the money line for the record out there. And then uh, rounding it out, Mario, we got Rams going to the 49ers. Rams coming off the disappointing game. Uh, Niners lost to Colt McCoy. Uh, that's all I'll say there. In Let's 2021. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, do we know uh, how beat up Stafford is? Is is there like a solid report? Like really- his, his ankle was giving him trouble. Is that right? Um, yeah, he was he was limping pretty good after that one play, and uh, you do worry about the injuries with him. When once once you see Stafford limping, it, it or, or you know hunched over, whatever it is, if it's his back bothering him, it's like sometimes he just kind of stays beat up the rest of the year, and you really hope that that's not the case here. Um, especially cause he was, you know, he's missing some stuff like they, they should not have been lit up by that Titans defense the way that they were. There was never a great explanation for that. So, um, there might be some tape on how to defend them now. Like the Titans might've gotten onto something first. And, uh, I would, de- I would definitely bet on McVay having the counter adjustment him more than anyone. I would, I would bet on having the counter adjustment at some point, but maybe it's a little harder to do that if Stafford's limited. So I do worry about the Rams offense a little bit, but, I mean, maybe I should be worried about the, the Rams defense too, I guess. Like, it's like we got all these negative thoughts about Shanahan nowadays. He's still good at X's and O's. Like, he, he has basic, you know, limitations in other areas, but he can call up a game. There's no doubt about that. So, uh, when you're talking one game, just, just one small sample instance, Shanahan's always pretty dangerous there. And, and as much as I think Garoppolo is crap and that Shanahan is not really making this team as good as it should be. You do have to worry about him in that one game scenario, I think. So uh, I don't want to bet on the Rams, even though if I had to, I would take them. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. I think you know it, it's easy to to write off the 49ers with, with the way that their season has gone, and you know it's it's easy to have that visceral memory of of them again. You know, like losing to the the Cardinals without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. But like you said, you get get a full week to prepare. These guys know each other very well. You know, we ha- we haven't really seen a ton of Stafford versus versus the the 49ers necessarily in, in the Rams uniform yet, but even still, you know that this is a division game. It could be a little bit tricky, nonetheless. So yeah, that that's a tougher spread that than I, I think you might initially think uh, when you just take an eye at the sheet um, for this week. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for this uh, Thursday edition of the Roto Roto Wire uh, Fantasy. Football podcast again brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening and thanks for watching. Try RotoWire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.